Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bobblehead Podcast. We're glad you're here. Hey, uh, Davin is doing some uh, Army Reserve stuff uh, this week, so we needed to go ahead and shoot a podcast, so well, here we are. Uh, very, very fortunate to have a really good friend of mine, a great guy, um, Justin Nickel, today uh, on the podcast. So I'll be asking Justin a lot about his work and life and uh, some of the things that uh, he's learned throughout the years and, and ask him the special uh, bobblehead question of, uh, you know, what if you had to go back in time and and uh, do anything different or tell young Justin or young Tim you know, what you would do different or what they should do different, what would that be? So uh, I'm just free to hear this. I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, I know I did. We're glad you're here. How you doing? I'm good. Good. Glad to be here. Um, yeah, I knew that I knew one day we would do this. And uh, I know the other day when when I was talking to Dad and we were, we were going to try to record and he couldn't be here. I'm like, man, I, do I really want to do this myself? Does anybody want to listen just to me? I to talk to myself? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it happens often, actually. Um, but uh, I thought, man, I've always said something to you about coming out. And so I'm glad you could make it. So we're glad you're here. Thank you. So I'll, I'll introduce him before we get too deep into this. Um, so we have a, a guest for those of you that, that aren't watching this on YouTube that are listening. We have, a, we have a guest with us today. He's a really good friend of mine, a guy that I respect the heck out of, uh, Justin Nickel. And Justin Justin lives as a crow flies from me, maybe, what, eighth of a mile yeah. at most. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll, you'll learn a little bit more about, about Justin today. But, uh, man, I respect the heck out of you, and I think you're a really smart guy. And there's, it'll be fun for me to get to brag on you a little bit today uh, about some of the things that I've learned from you. Um, just from knowing you and hanging out with you some that I try to, you know, explore and, and use in my life. So with all, all that being said, how's life? Life is good. You know, I, I try to appear smart by listening to the podcast. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> so, so Justin's one of our four listeners, um, to the bobblehead podcast. So, you know, with this being said, that's, you know, we'll have Down to three we'll, now. We'll, we're de- <laughs> yeah. On, on this one, there'll only be three <laughs> listeners today, but, uh, no, but so. It, it's been fun. Just, Justin's one of the guys that will uh, text me after one of the podcasts, go, hey, I really like this. I really like that. And gives us good feedback. So number one, thank you for listening. Um, we appreciate that. But, uh, you know, and, and for feedback. And every once in a while, you give me some feedback of what you liked or whatever. So that means a lot. But, you know, Justin has a lot going on. So Justin has um, his oldest son is at OSU, right? Oklahoma State. Yeah. So he is a freshman. Right, yep, just about to finish his freshman year there. Wow, so second semester, so that it's always and Davin and I, I've, I've talked to Davin a little bit about you know when your kids go to college, it changes the dynamic of your relationship with them, but also kind of changes the dynamic of your house, and you know things run differently with a kid gone, and uh, you know Davin, we talked about Peyton leaving for mm-hmm. for school, and and you know that that last year is tough, you know we talk a lot about you know, that senior year is a tough year, and for them and you. Yeah, it is. And, and so yeah. uh, I know you went through that, but yeah. So, so, um, so school going okay for him. He's doing good. Yeah, he's doing good. You know, his senior year was, it, it was tough leading up to, he's having all this fun and enjoying, you know, life. He's never been a kid to get in any trouble or anything. So he's, he's pretty easy. Um, but for Heather and I, you know, leading up to him leaving, you know, we were really sad, Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, I knew that the girls had already gone on and you guys were empty nesters. And, and I was so sad when they left. <laughs> yeah, I know you were. And I, I asked you okay. a time or two, you know, how do you, you know, 
how do you deal with some of these certain changes in life? And you always yeah. said to me to you, you enjoy the phases of life that they yeah. go through you know, the most. And so here was a phase, you know, for Landon. And when it came time for him to, to, you know, actually leave and, and move up there, um, I knew in that moment that he would never, you know, live at home again. Yeah. That he would, you know, and even now it makes me emotional. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that he would never come back and permanently. It wouldn't be the same for sure. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't, it would be home, but not his home. Yeah. He'll come home during the summers and, you know, eventually when he gets out of school, he may choose to live there for a short time before he goes and finds his own place, but he'll never permanently live there as a, as as, as a kid any longer. And it's strange. And, and, um, you know, I know he's really special to you. All your kids are, but he's super special to you in a lot of ways. But, you know, you have so much invested in that kid, just like we all have, you know, so much invested in all our kids. But, you know, going through that phase is hard. And it's hard because, one, is they leave home and you don't have, not that you had that much control anyway the last year or two, but, um, you know, you really don't. Like, you don't you know where he is all the time. And and you kind of have to let go yeah. and have to just trust. We started out with, you know, we have Life360 in the family, and he's part of our Life360 group. And so we were watching him, you know, several times a day, you know, where is he? Is he back <laughs> his dorm? How late is he staying out? And, yeah. you know, that kind of lasted first semester and they have a lot of events where you're up there a sure, lot, you know, first sure. semester where you get to see him. Yeah. And we would tell him, you know, you're not calling home enough. We want to talk to you every day. <laughs> and, you know, and then Christmas break rolls around and then he goes back up second semester mm-hmm. and a few weeks into it, he, he calls and he's like, Hey, you know, y'all aren't, you're not checking on me anymore. You're not, yeah. Not, you know, you're telling me I, I need to call every day. I, did yeah. you know I've gone three days without calling you? Yeah. Yeah. And he kind of got, you know, yeah. the reverse of sure. that. Like, sure. You guys are, are not missing me anymore. Right. Right. Like, no, we miss you, but we, you know, you give you some freedom. Yeah. And, yeah. Give some, and you've been gone long enough to where things are moving in a different direction right. around here. We love you and miss you. Yeah. But you're good. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I'd ask Heather, you know, how many times have you looked at Life 360 to see like <laughs> zero? Zero. You, know, yeah. you just, you finally get to the point to where you accept that they're fine. Yeah. You know, he's young, but 19 years old and yeah. capable of, of, of living on campus on his own. And yeah, he's had a good year. He makes really good grades. Yeah. Um, he hasn't been in any trouble. He met a girl the first day he was there and got a girlfriend and she's yeah. a super sweet girl and can, uh, can handle Landon. Landon can be. <laughs> That's over, all we hope yeah. is, is we get somebody that can that can uh, match our kids in some way, yeah. right? He can be overstimulating. Yeah, and, uh, and she's very calm. Yeah, so. well, you, I'm telling you that we've talked about it a lot, but there's some there's something about opposites attract, right? Yeah, it's true. And, and uh, well, good for you guys. It's you know I, I can remember when I went to school, all we had was you know we would literally call home every Sunday night for about 15 minutes, mm-hmm. and that was it. And uh, you know, as as our kids went to went to school. I learned, you know, we can text and kind of get, now that you have that communication, it's great, but also, you know, more that you know more of what's going on in their life down mm-hmm. there, which is good and bad. Yeah. Right. So you tend to worry more. So I'm, I look back to the old days and went, you know, not a bad idea if no mom and dad just had me call once a week. That's yeah. probably, that probably worked out really good for both of us. Yeah. Didn't worry about you all week long. When yeah, you for sure. Come home till for sure. three in the morning. Yeah. And you've, so, <laughs> and, and you've got two, two left at home, right? Yep, I've got Brody and Bryson at home. Brody's eleven, Bryson's nine, and um, they both, you know, play baseball. Lots of tournaments on the weekends, and and so Heather stays really busy. Yeah, um, we were in Puerto Rico last week. Oh, I saw the pictures, by the way. Oh, awesome, gosh, beautiful place. And I'll have to tell you a story about Puerto Rico here in a second. But, I'll be there uh, Saturday, actually. Oh, will you? <laughs> Just going through. Yeah, yeah. 
So we were in Puerto Rico, and so we had um, uh, Mickey, uh, Michaela Westmoreland, mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, Reese is uh, is a junior at Heath High School, uh-huh. and so they kind of partnered up to be mom for the two boys okay. the week while we were gone. Yeah, and when we got back, they were exhausted. Really, you know, we got back on Saturday night, and Mickey was like, "I am." exhausted because it was every day they'd get out of school they had baseball they had birthday parties sure it was just non-stop something to non-stop on top of that their kids and everything that was going on so so now i figure out that's why heather puts a hundred thousand miles a month on her car and you're right and so i i have to brag on on justin's wife heather she is probably one of the sweetest individuals on earth and you know your job is with what you do and as much as you work not the easiest job being a mom and being a wife. Um, you know, she has a lot of her time, which is good and bad, I'm sure. But I, and she's a, she's an amazing woman. She is. I respect the heck out of her. She's not only is she amazing, but she's beautiful Mm -hmm. and she's fun and she's sweet. And she's one of my favorite people. She may, I may like her better than you a little bit, maybe. Yeah, I can see that. I I, I got really lucky with her. You know, it, it started with beautiful, you know, mm-hmm. Heather's an ex Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. That doesn't suck. She's a, no, that was not a bad deal. Yeah. She's uh she's just a super talented dancer and, uh, uh, and a beautiful girl. And so when I met her, I, that's all I saw, you know, and, but gosh, I got lucky with her. She is, she is one of the first things that was just such a, uh, a huge blessing for me was, is, you know, when I met her, Landon was in the first grade. And from the moment that she met Landon, she treated him like he was her own child yeah. from from day one, and wow. and to this day probably treats him better, yeah, you know, than she does Brody and Bryson. Um, but she's she's wonderful. She's yeah. a great mom. She's a great wife, and um, and to top it all off, she's beautiful. So that's a pretty home pretty, run, man. Pretty well good done, deal. well done, sir. I way out kicked my coverage. Yeah. <laughs> so Justin, um, so to brag on Justin a little bit. Justin has a job and we'll talk about it just a little bit. You can go as much detail as you want to or not. Sure. It's up to you. Um, in that he has a lot of people that work for him and he has a lot of responsibility for, um, not only people, but big P and L, um, for trends and in the industry he's in, um, that change monthly seems like sometimes, but you know, one of the things that I love most about you is, is your demeanor. And, um, everybody that I tell about Justin, always tell the story. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter how chaotic things are, how ups or up or down you are. Your voice is always the same. <laughs> and, and it is. And, and, uh, you know, I've learned a lot from that. You may be like that duck that's swimming like crazy underneath, but you know, above you look really calm mm-hmm. and you handle everything thoughtfully. And that's one of the things that, uh, you know, impresses me most that I, I respect most about you is the way you handle things and the way you handle people. And, you know, my oldest daughter, Reagan, that was her first job out of college was mm-hmm. working for you. And, yeah. and she would, you know, we'd see her and I'm like, Hey, how's Justin? She goes, I don't see how Justin does it, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, dealing with all kinds of personalities. So, um, Justin is in the car business. Mm-hmm. So he's in the automobile industry and, uh, he is probably the, if not, one of the top Cadillac dealerships in all of Dallas, Fort Worth, and maybe even to, I don't know, I don't know how big you guys are, but you can feel free to brag if you want to. Yeah. So our, um, you know, our company has four Cadillac stores. We've got 18 dealerships, uh, only in Texas. Um, our owner 
is, is very much believes in, and as you can see, the economy is always good in Texas, right. even when it flows in other directions. But so we operate in Texas and uh, we have four Cadillac dealerships. Our uh, Cadillac dealer in Dallas here is the number one dealer in the world. Wow. Really? And then I run at the uh, lemon store, the lemon store. Yeah. Store on lemon Avenue. Uh, I run the Cadillac store in grapevine. Uh, we finished ninth in the nation last year. Wow. And, um, there's probably somewhere around 650 Cadillac dealerships, uh, in the nation. Yeah. But I share the same market with the number one and the number three Cadillac dealer in the world. Oh, really? So it's a, it's, it's always a, a tough fight. Yeah, that is tough. But yeah. When it comes to, you know, demeanor, I started in this business on the service side and I learned early on, I have emotions just like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they're high, sometimes there's low but I get to choose my own behavior. Right. And so, you know, when you're in a, in a leadership role, if you expect you're, and we're in the customer service business, you're, you're in the service business. Yeah, we're I mean, in the you service really are business and we happen to sell cars. Right. Uh, and in the midst of all of that, there's sometimes things don't go right. Right. Sometimes our associates don't, uh, fix something right or don't say something right or a car breaks or whatnot. And we have to serve that guest at a very high level a luxury level mm-hmm. all the time, no matter where their emotions are and their behavior that comes out sometimes in the midst of those <laughs> right, emotions. Right. Um, our job is to listen, to have great empathy uh, for their situation. And a lot of times these are, of course, first world problems. Sure. But but they're problems to them that time. And it's yeah. the most important problem, I'm and, sure. And we're the ones to solve them. Sure. That's our right. job is to, right. is to take care of them and right. to take care of their car. And so our job is to, to listen, to have empathy, and then respond in a way that's helpful, you know, to that individual. And sometimes people say stuff about us, mm-hmm. about our company, about the way we do things. We advertise, you know, uh, a lot on TV that, that, and we tell people who we are, we build great value, mm-hmm. you know, in who we are. And we've got to back that up. Right. You can't go out and say, this is who we are. And not, and then not have, do those, yeah, not, not act upon that, right? Not act upon those yeah. things and not behave in, mm-hmm. in a professional manner and not just professional, but exceed someone's expectation in, in the midst of, of a problem. And so I try to lead by example in that. And, and I learned that years ago in, in service, and yeah. you get people that would roll up on the service drive and be very emotional about a situation. And it was always best generally when you ask somebody, what would you like to see happen here? Yeah. It's generally less than what you're willing to exactly. do. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And yeah. so then all you, you say is yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Be more than happy to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that, cool. That makes life a lot easier. You guys, one of the things you guys do really well is train. Um, I know you train, you know, the, the culture there where you work is big on training, right? And you guys have a lot of standards that you have your associates meet. But one of the things that, uh, that I'm interested to learn from you today is really not about how, you know, where you work, how y'all do business, but give, give, give our listeners some of the, give us two or three takeaways of things over the last four or five years that have kind of been meaningful to you or aha moments, or maybe either mindset things of how you think differently about something that you did before that have really made a difference in your life, whether that's at work or that's at home or with friends or whatever that might be just in life in, in general. Yeah, you know, our owner is just a, a phenomenal person, a phenomenal family. And training is is probably one of the biggest things that he's committed to. I mean, over the years, um, you know, I have I have sat in classrooms with Harvard professor or, uh, professors at SMU Cox School of Business. 
Um, I have been to uh, University of Virginia, Darden School of Business, um, been to uh, CCL, um, Dale Carnegie, you know, public speaking classes. I mean, a lot of investment, you know, and, and they do that across the company, you know, mm-hmm. with a lot of our associates. And you learn a lot, you know, in, in those. Uh, every time you come away with some great takeaway, but I've learned the most from from him and, really? and his family. Um, he is every bit, if not more, committed to our associates as he is the customer. Mm-hmm. And one of our guiding principles in our company is that we treat our customers and our associates the same. Hmm. We treat them equally. Yeah. And when when COVID rolled around, uh, you know, a lot of companies laid a lot of people off. Um, our business was down seventy percent you know, the first couple of months mm-hmm. and we sat in a room and, and, you know, kind of tried to figure out what would it cost to kind of keep everybody together. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember there was one presentation that looked at, you know, if we let this many people go or whatnot, we could survive on, you know, X amount of cash. Right. And he said, look, that's just not a conversation we're going to have. He said, no, one's going to make less money. It's not their fault. Mm-hmm. And every associate in our company will make the exact same that they always have. We'll pay them a salary. And so um, whether you worked in our car wash, you vacuumed out cars or you sold cars and, you know, made a, a great six figure income, mm-hmm. he paid you the same wow. the entire time. Yeah. Uh, that, that level of commitment to our people ended up being a phenomenal investment for him. Yeah. Because things came back fairly quickly for us mm-hmm. after a couple of months. Yeah, y'all bounced back pretty yeah, quick. we bounced back pretty quickly. And we had every single person in place, fully trained, ready to go. You were ready. competition didn't. Oh, wow. And so we reined in a lot of customers during the midst of that. And it was a big advantage for us. I got to tell you, you know, as a business owner, that's a huge risk. Because, you know, so much of, of what you worry about as a business owner is, is the unknown. Mm-hmm. And with that, who knows how long it would business would be down seventy yeah. percent? You just don't know. And and you know, so many things were unknown. We'd never dealt with this before, and uh, that's a huge gamble. You know, everybody has cash reserves, but still, that's yeah. a big gamble. It's a big gamble, but he didn't think twice about it. Yeah. And that culture, you know, really spreads across our whole company. Yeah. You know, when it comes to taking care of one of our guests, mm-hmm. the the what it costs to take care of them yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, we talk about it later, you know, if yeah. it had a Im- big impact. Sure. But what's right is what comes first. And sometimes that's really costly. Yeah. We've had, you know, uh, unfortunately in the past, there's been a vehicle or, or two stolen from us. And, um, you know, if we need to buy that customer a new vehicle uh, outside of their, their insurance, yeah, then that's what's happened. Wow. And it's it's not even a second thought. It's we, we first look at what's right to do for the customer and it doesn't really matter what yeah, it costs. That's cool. So tell me about what, what you, what you've taken away. That, that's, that's something as a whole you've seen that you want to emulate. So is there anything you've personally taken from the last four or five years? And it can be work-based, it can be anything, but anything that's, that really some, sometimes you stop and think, wow, this is really different now. Yeah. I think in my personal life, you know, even growing up on the service side of the business and, and we, you know, we see a lot of people, um, some sales companies have really long sales cycles and we have a really short sales yeah, cycle. Are quick. Yeah. Uh, and so we see and get to talk to and deal with a lot of different variety of people. And in my own 
personal life, a, a lot of what we do in business has taught me to to be patient, mm-hmm. uh, to be kind. Um, you know, Heather will tell you when we first met, I probably wasn't a very compassionate person. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a home where um, my mom and dad are, are wonderful. Um, they were married in 1969, and they're they're great people. But you know, um, they taught us to be tough. Yeah. And I remember one time I was jumping my bike on a ramp, and back then we had you know who metal, didn't who didn't do it, that by the way had metal yeah. spikes. Oh you know, yeah, for, that was for your pedals. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the good old days. It went up my shin. Sure. And I needed 13 stitches. Oh, okay. And I was crying in the midst of it. And I remember my mom swatted me on the leg and told me to stop crying. Did you really? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> And so, you know, I grew up in a home where we were taught to be tough. Tough, yeah. And if you were if you were sick and couldn't go to school, you get up and start thinking you're not sick. Right. And, and keep yeah. moving. Right. You know, right. You're not gonna lay here all day and be sick. Let's go. Let's keep right. moving. Right. And so that's and so when I, you know, got married to Heather, that's who I was. Oh wow. But the but being in this business also taught me to to slow down and to be empathetic and mm-hmm. to be compassionate and kind and you know, I used to listen to Zig Ziglar a lot back whenever they had cassette tapes. I'd pop his cassette tapes in on the way mm-hmm. to work. And he said, if you just help enough other people get what they want out of life, you'll get everything that you want out of life. Yeah. And that's very true. You know, if you just uh, care about and support and um, and be kind and compassionate towards what other people want out of yeah. life, you'll look up one day and have everything that you want out of life. And you know what? That's that's an interesting lesson. Um you know, as I look back on my personal life, uh, when you deal with family, mm-hmm. one of the things, um, Devin and I have talked about this quite a bit, and I know you've, you've heard this, but, you know, I think it was Jamie's mom said, you never truly grow up, never mature until you have kids. And it's the first time in your life you have to be, you don't have a choice, you have to be selfless. Yeah. And that changes everything. And uh, and as your kids grow up, you, you, you begin to not just care about bringing them up, but it's like, how do I how do I bring them up to thrive and not just survive? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you have to look at is, you know, wow, I have to now look at this differently and that I have to pour myself into them even beyond just being a good parent. Right. And not necessarily giving them what all of what they want, but what do they need? And, you know, with, and being a parent, sometimes what they need and what they want is two different things and learning how to deal with that is tough. Yeah. Sometimes right? that's a that's tough a, decision, especially when you love them so much. You want to, it is, it you is, wanna, you want to give them, you know, everything that they want and everything that they need, uh, cause you want them to be happy. And sometimes those things aren't what's best for them. And, that's, and, and what happiness means sometimes is right. different to them than this does, you know, and I found this kind of the same thing and you have a, you know, I have no idea how many, and you have a lot of people that work underneath you and uh, a lot of different personalities and, and you guys hire well for cultural fit, right? You do guys do a good job with that. We'll talk about that in a minute too, but um, you know, you probably find some of the same things you deal with your people is, and I want to say you're, they're not like your kids. They're not, they're grown people, but sometimes we still act like kids and sometimes we do things selfishly. And sometimes you have to pull them in and have discussions about, you know, the mission of where they work. Yeah. And, uh, and we've all had to have those before, but you know, it's, it's a really good parallel to the patients you have have to have at home is sometimes the same patients you have to have at work. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so let's let's talk let's talk briefly about you know a little bit of what you guys do. Culture you've you've heard us and and those of you that listen to the podcast, you know, we use Colby's and Clifton's to help un- understand how people think and 
and uh, what motivates them. So I know you guys do similar things. So talk a little bit about how you guys look at new hires um, and what you look for when you, when you bring them in and, and when you bring them in, what your expectations are. Yeah, so our hiring process is uh, a couple different, you know, it's a tough process uh, to get in at our company. Um, we have a college recruiting process where we recruit, you know, all over um, the state of Texas, some into Oklahoma and Arkansas. Uh, we recruit uh, from these colleges and our uh, vice president of HR has just done a phenomenal job for years going in and, and building great relationships in these schools. And he goes, gets to go in and speak in the classrooms and we draw a lot of kids to the informationals and, and uh, go down and tell them about our, our company. Uh, and then we interview them through a pretty tough process. Mm-hmm. Um, they start out with an interview, uh, and we're looking for, you know, kids that are competitive, smart, you know, you, you, you can't fix dumb. So you, you want right. to hire smart people, um, but highly competitive, assertive, uh, and high energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it takes a lot of energy to, to be in retail. Yeah. Um, and we, we interview those down to, to probably half of, of what interview. And then we send them for a, a test that was developed by our company years ago, uh, with a doctor here in Dallas. Um, we probably sent him several of our most successful people and said, you know, if we could find folks that matched these people, we mm-hmm. feel like we could be, you know, more successful. These are the most successful people in our company. How do we emulate those? We, we want to yeah. find people that, that, you know, that li- align with them mm-hmm. and develop this test. And so, uh, uh, we've used it for years and it's been really successful for us. Um, and then they come into the stores and, and interview, uh, with, with the managers in the stores and then they go into an internship. And if all mm-hmm. of that, you know, is successful, yeah. they'll get a full-time offer okay. uh, at the company. If we interview outside of that college recruiting program, mm-hmm. same, same process, Similar. But, yeah. um, you know, just looking at experience and, yeah. and whatnot, but we, you know, we, we test for, for people that, that have emotional toughness, mm-hmm. um, that are, like I said, smart, that highly competitive, high energy, um, and that we feel like will, uh, will serve our customers at a very high level. Yeah. You can find these, this the people that fit all of those things, but maybe not be good to be in front of a guest every day. Right. may not have empathy, may not have good listening skills. Right. Uh, so we also do strength finders yeah. is, is another one sure. that we look at. Yeah. And then once they come into the company, we quickly indoctrinate them to our culture. Mm-hmm. You know, the culture there is very strong. And just like your kids at home, we're constantly coaching and mentoring in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we do a lot of, uh, you know, we do a lot of studying of Nick Saban in on our company. And oh, he, wow. He very much um, coaches in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a process of excellence. You know anybody that can that can have a, a completely new football team every year mm-hmm. and get back not completely, but you sure, know, he loses his right. senior class right. and has to go out and recruit new and make it back to the championship that many years. There's a formula a, there that works, right? Yeah, there's a there's yeah. a successful process. Yeah, and so we study a lot about what Nick Saban does and how he he very much coaches in the process. He'll grab a, a football player and say, you know, this is not the position that you should be in. You should be turned at this angle and in this right. spot. And as you come up at this angle, you'll be most successful. Right. And we do that same thing as they, as the, our associates come in and are working with a customer. Um, 
you know, we'll, we'll position them. This is how you say things. This is, should be your body language and, right. and coach them in the moment. And they just continue to get better and better and better. And usually by, by year three, they really start to, to thrive. That's awesome. You know, I, I love your internship program and it, and it's honestly, you, it's good for you and the recruit. It gives you guys a chance to kind of test them out, mm-hmm. but it also gives them a chance to kind of test you out. And especially uh, kids that are coming out of college, you know, their first real, like on their own job is sometimes a, a wall that hits them and, and it gets real, real fast. And so, you know, it's for them, it's, it's, it's the ability to go to work without having all the responsibility. Um, and so it gets them eased into that work dynamic. And I think that's really cool. You know, we've done several interns here that have worked out real well. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like a good intern program. I like not just having an intern, but also really going through the process with an intern, just like you're in, like you guys do. You're, you're bringing them on an intern with the prospects of them working there. So you're going through the whole process with them, before, even to become an intern. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Sometimes they, you know, um, if, if they've never worked a job before, you know, if mom and dad has said, Hey, I want you to focus on school yeah. and you're not going to work through college. And, mm-hmm. uh, some of them come out in a 40 hour work week is shocking yeah. you know, to them. Yeah, sure. And they need to be able to see that, you know, we're in retail. We, we work more than 40 hours. It, yeah. I, I know your hours. You guys don't, <laughs> y'all don't, y'all don't work five days a week either. No, it's, it's, it, it's hard to beat the world. You know, there's people that are willing to get up earlier than you mm-hmm. that are willing to stay later than you mm-hmm. and that are willing to work harder than you. And if you allow those people to do that, they're going to win and yeah. you're going to lose. Yeah. And, and so you gotta, you gotta be willing, especially when you're young, you gotta be willing to, to put in more than 40 hours a week and come to work to work. You know, yeah. when that car door shuts every day and you walk inside, come inside with a, with a plan yeah. you know, and not just leave it to the wind, but right. what am I going to accomplish today? Yeah. And just keep moving. So what, what have you, what have you learned over and you've had, you've had several jobs um, since I've known you uh, not just the one you're in, but you know, I know that I guess it was a job before this, you kind of in a tough situation. That was at the Audi dealership. I yeah. remember that really well. And we used to talk about that some. We don't have to talk about that here. But, <laughs> but you know, you went through a lot. And you, it, was, it was one of the first times you were kind of in charge as somewhat of a general manager mm-hmm. um, and had to deal with some stuff that wasn't in your control. And uh, I know those were some tough days. And, and, that's, and that's what's hard is being responsible for things you don't always have control of. Mm-hmm. And so what, since you've been in that situation, what did you learn out of that situation? Of that job. Yeah. So some of the, you know, you, you can, you're going to have some tough roles sometimes in life. And, and this was one of them. Um, you know, I, I, I worked for an owner that was, uh, um, he, he was, he was a tough cookie, you know, a guy that, that on one end of the spectrum was the most giving, um, he, he would just give you anything and, and super, uh, giving to all people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was a really tough businessman and, and which is fine. Um, but it was more of a, I, I had no work-life balance, you know, mm-hmm. there. And it was a bell to bell six days a week. You know, I'm in church on Sunday. And by the time you get out of church and eat lunch, you got Sunday afternoon. That's your life. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You had a snapshot, you know, a week. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you left work every night at eight o'clock and that was six days a week, you know, uh, you didn't have much of a life. And so what I love so much about our company now is that, um, they are very much committed, even though we're in a retail car business, 
we don't really run things like the rest of the industry does mm. and very much committed to a, a work-life balance. Um, and sometimes we have to push our people, you know, to say, Hey, you, you know, you, you've not taken a day off in a while. You need to take a day off and recharge. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn that, you know, when I came back to this company, I had to learn that it was, it was healthy to have a great work-life balance to, to not work six days a week and to not feel guilty about that. Mm -hmm. I did it for so long that if I would take a day off, I felt guilty. Yeah. I felt like, you know, my associates were wondering, you know, well, where is he? And right. you know, what's he doing today? And but you, there's you, just, you, you seem to be doing okay with that now. Yes. I enjoy it. It's, um, <laughs> it's, it's nice to be able to, it's a learn, a it's a learned skill though. It is. It, you know, I had a, one of our group vice presidents, um, pushed me into it and I'm, I'm glad that he did. It's made yeah. a big difference in my family mm -hmm. and it's made a big difference in, in the way that I work. Yeah. I mean, when I get to recharge, and I know that I have a day, you know, to recharge. It just fires me up all week long and I can run at a much higher energy level. Yeah. Knowing that I have a day that right. I can go get done what I need to get done. Sure. So what would you tell 25 year old Justin, if you were to, if you were to go back in time and you were able to sit down in a chair with young Justin, just like we're having a conversation now and you had five minutes with yourself, what would you tell him? You know, I wish I had a mentor back then that um, I didn't have a mentor at all. But I wish I had a mentor that helped me see the bigger picture, not just, you know, when, when, when I was young, I just saw my job. And I thought, you know, if I perform at a high level and am committed to this part, you know, I, I'll be good. And I, I saw some of the big picture, and I always thought the way that I could advance is to be performing at a high level in your current role mm -hmm. and be thinking and acting like the role that you want. Mm -hmm. and, but I wanted to see more of the big picture. And I right. think that I was a little slow to see the overall ownership mentality of the big picture. Yeah. And, um, you know, now there's lots of books out that can really lead you in, in that kind of direction. But um, I just saw my job and I really wish at a younger age, I had an owner's more of a founder's mentality. Mm -hmm. You know, Jeff Bezos has a building, you know, at Amazon called day one and every single day at Amazon is day one. They stay in a founder's mentality every single day mm -hmm. so that the competition can never catch them. Yeah. And I wish I would have learned that at a much younger age. I oh, think I interesting. Know, would have had yeah. success even earlier. Yeah. What else? Um, I think, you know, I, I worked a lot whenever I was a young person. I think it's healthy for them, like we talked about, to have work-life balance. I would go back and tell younger Justin not to work six days a week. And, and then on the family side of it, I, you know, I didn't get married till I was 36 years old. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have got married sooner. I'm glad it worked out the way that sure. it did because I, mean, I yeah. you know, because it, through that I, I met Heather. But if I could have met Heather in Early my mid twenties, right. you know, and started then, mm -hmm. you know, but I thought as a young person that I want to travel, I want to be free, I, you know, do what I want to do. I don't want to have to answer to anybody and all that. Mm -hmm. And I found that marriage and family bring so much more joy mm -hmm. than what having that freedom and doing what you want to do when you want to do it brought. I wish I would have started earlier. Mm, interesting. I like that. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, Anything else you tell young Justin? Mm. Sit him down, have a shake your finger at him every now and then. 
Oh, now, you, I don't, would you don't say, have to go too deep into it, but just in, in, anything that you would, you would, any direction you would tell him to go differently. No, not much. I would change there direction wise. I mean, I've had a great life and uh, a great career. Grew up in a great family. Um, you know, I when I got out of high school, I I wanted to be a pilot. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to go wanted to go fly airplanes for a living. And and after I got my pilot's license and started kind of looking for a job, you know, that's when I started working in automotive. And here I am, you know, <laughs> twenty eight years later. Yeah, isn't it funny how sometimes your first job is where your career is sometimes it is sometimes it isn't but yeah you know you you find what you're good find what things that you love and things that you're good at and it's where you find joy and success and that's what you stick with yeah and that happened for me you know i i only could see that i wanted to fly airplanes for a living and mm-hmm. and it's something as you know that i very much still enjoy It'd still be kind of cool sometimes maybe, it is but, very cool yeah, <laughs> yeah love, love to fly airplanes um but i don't know looking back that i would want to do that for a living yeah you know, it's almost it, it would like, take the joy out of it. It would. It's like yeah. a, you know, driving a Greyhound bus in the skies. Yeah, these yeah. Days. We, we may have to have that that conversation soon. Soon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right. Last question, and put you on the spot here. What's been your favorite bobblehead podcast, and why? Um, let's see. My favorite one. I always enjoy the pre conversations, you know, in the podcast because, uh, you know, Davin's got his zinger you know his little oh, yeah. his he, little pokes and, and he doesn't unleash all of them trust me and zingers oh, yeah. that come out and uh there's some some great humor there um you know you were had a podcast a few weeks ago and talking along the lines of leadership and and when you're away you know from work you know be away put your phone down you know put your email down and and truly disconnect mm-hmm. and uh you know, I, I, I enjoyed that podcast. I'm not there yet. Yeah. You know, I'm still very much tied um, to needing to be on email. And, you know, when I was recently on vacation in Puerto Rico and even spring break, we went down to Mexico and every day I was, you know, I had phone calls and have multiple emails to respond to and, and even brought the laptop along because on Thursdays we order cars and I've got to go in and make sure that all that's lined up correctly. Sure. And, I'm not at the point and that's my fault. Um, you know, if you, if you trust and mentor and coach the people that, that, that you hired, that you, you hired to believe in them and to trust in them to do a job. Um, if, if you mentor and coach them into a position where you can trust them to do all these things while you're away, mm. then you can truly completely disconnect. Yeah. And, so- but that podcast really put me in the mindset of getting there steering yeah. that direction and completely being able to trust that everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, when, when I'm away, you and I had this conversation, we may have been flying. I can't remember. We were, I don't know where we were. But we had that conversation about that podcast. And, and one of the things you were telling me, I can I actually mentioned this, mentioned you on the podcast about this is, you know, it's really cool that your, your why behind you can't is sometimes, you know, you do a good job of bringing people up and then they position those people in the dealer, other dealerships that are having trouble. And it says a lot for you. That's one of the things I, I love about you is, is, you know, it, it's hard. That makes it your job harder, but it also for the greater purpose and the greater mission, it makes sense. And, you know, we talk about value and the value you bring to an organization is that's, there's a, that's another level. So kudos to you for being that. Um, so I'll end it with this, uh, Justin, you're a good guy. 
you're one of uh, the best guys I know. You're who you say you are and who um, you want people to be. Which, the way you project yourself is truly the way you are with your heart. Oh, thank you. And appreciate that, that. Not, not everybody can <laughs> say kind. that. And on top of that, you're a hell of a pilot, man. <laughs> thank you. So we'll, we'll talk about well, that on another podcast. <laughs> right, right. But um, <laughs> Justin and I actually own an airplane together and, and lately have flown quite a bit together. And he's, uh, he's exceptional. So good for you. you. Um, man, a lot of success to you moving forward with uh, work, but most of all with family and life. So uh, keep, up the good, keep up the good work. You're doing good. I'm proud of you. Thanks so much. Yeah. Appreciate that. You bet. Hey, till next time.